0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and today I am thrilled to welcome professional runner and Olympian, Kate Grace, to the show. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Kate a bunch of times throughout her career, and it's always a treat because she's super smart, she is, after all, a Yale University graduate, and she's incredibly humble. We recorded this episode together just a few weeks after Kate moved to Portland, Oregon, and she was still getting adjusted to her new home and her new training routine. Kate made major running headlines twice this year. First, at the beginning of the year, when she left longtime sponsor Wazelle for Nike. Then again, just a few months ago, when she officially announced her decision to leave the NorCal Distance Project to join the Portland, Oregon-based Bowerman Track Club under the coaching direction of Jerry Schumacher. I was dying to ask Kate what motivated both those decisions and what it's like training alongside her new teammates, including Shalane Flanagan, Amy Cragg, Emily Infeld, and more. Of course, Kate made big news in 2016, too. Last year, she won the 800-meter race at the Olympic Trials in Eugene, Oregon, solidifying her spot on the Olympic team. In Rio, she qualified for the 800-meter finals and finished eighth in a blazing fast time of 1.59.57. Kate finished 2016 by running an 800 meter personal best time of 158.28 in Zurich. Now, if you've ever wanted to get inside the head of a champion and a super hardworking athlete, here you go. And make sure you listen to the very end when I could not resist asking Kate to gush about her fitness world famous mom. You know who Kate's mom is, right? Okay, if not, you have to listen to find out. Now get running and enjoy. Kate Grace, welcome to the Alley on the Run show.
1: Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so we start the Alley on the Run show, like, like in theory, we all start our runs, which means with a warm up. So warm up the audience today. Tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what it is that you do.
1: So my name is Kate, um, Kate Grace. I'm a professional runner. I run for Nike. Um, I just moved to Portland actually about a month ago to join the Bowerman Track Club. But I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, California. I've lived all over the place. I was in New Jersey um, and New York. I went to college at Yale. And I, after school, pursued my Olympic dream and made the Olympics in 2016, which was like kind of a dream come true. And now I feel like that is just continuing. And I'm training with the best people in the world. Very casual introduction,
0: Yale, Olympics, like, I love
1: it. So <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I was just trying to give an overview. I, I love it. It's, to, it's amazing. Uh...
0: And that's just the bullet points. You have so much good stuff going on. And of course, congratulations on signing with Bowerman Track Club. Can you
1: talk a little bit about that decision? Of course. Um, it's one of these things, it's funny, explaining um, Explaining the group is, it's an incredible um group of of women right now and it's one of those things that i it's like i can't even call it a dream come true because i don't even know if i could have like imagined a situation like this and i think that's part of the thing shalane flanagan um is the one she obviously just won the new york city marathon and she kind of spear has helped spearhead grow a spearhead growing this group of of women to train together and she i don't know has been interviewed recently about how like Basically, when she started it, there just weren't many groups like this of just top-tier, just distance athletes. Um, And over the past few years, it's grown, and there are now maybe 10 of us here. Um, And there were a number of reasons why I also um, loved the idea of living in Portland being close to the resources at Nike and then when I also saw the just incredible talent like once in a lifetime opportunity of all the women here to train with it was basically a no-brainer
0: awesome so the the article in the New York Times um a couple weeks ago called uh talked about the Shillane effect and (laughs) I think lots of people read this story because it was so good and in it she you know the author talked about how she has kind of helped develop this program like you said and is just really empowering women. So can you talk a little bit, you know, when it came time to decide to join Bowerman Track Club, did the opportunity to train alongside runners like Shalane and all the other amazing women, did that factor into your decision?
1: Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, being able to train among the people who are the best in the world, I mean, there are what, four or five Olympic or world medalists on this team it's really, yeah, it's really a no brainer. It's, um, it helps me up my game. It makes me more accountable. Um, and it's also just really fun to be around people who, I don't know, are, who have like big goals and who, um, and who are very like open and determined about achieving them. Um, and also, I don't know, kind of helping each other along the way. I love that article, the Shalane effect, because I mean, basically the thing is, it's not, it just, I mean, it's kind of a natural progression, right? You want to train hard, you, you want to have people to push you, um, and so it, it, it doesn't feel forced in any way, or like there's this. Uh, if anything, it's it's almost kind of incredible. I have to pinch myself that it's not, I don't know, that it's not like what, more obvious um, that, that there are all these superstars. It's just, I mean, it's very normal natural. We just go to the gym and go for runs, right? Um, and then you have to remind yourself, oh, my gosh, no, these are people that actually are, I don't know, some of the best in the world. Um, and I think that's part of the thing, though, when you have high-level training partners is just it's operating at that level becomes the norm. And you're one of those people, which is awesome. So what does
0: that look like then? You know, you're all – on the same team, but you all compete at different distances. You know, you do the, the 800 (laughs) Shalane's doing the marathon. So how much are you actually
1: working out and training together? And what does that look like? No, it's funny. It's so interesting in running. It's like, it's definitely, it's like, there's a surprising amount of overlap for how different our distances are. Right. I mean, my, the 800 is a half mile. So there are what, 52 800s in a (laughs) marathon or something like that. Um, but I, we overlap quite a bit. I mean, we meet every single day to run. Do we have two kind of main workout days a week, um, strength through strength days and then speed days. And it's kind of nice because when you have a bunch of people with different distances, basically some days, like on the strength days the distance athletes are the ones that are better and on the speed days some of the more mid-distance athletes are better so we're all able to kind of a little bit share the load but we all do them all together so i mean last week amy amy hastings who obviously she won the marathon trials in 2016 that was like that famous picture where she kind of was holding shalane up as, as they crossed the line um but she's doing 200 sprints with us and she's a marathoner. I mean, I guess the main difference would be that the marathoners just do longer, like they do more miles in their legs. So they, like, whereas I might come in and do a 55 or 60 minute run, they've done a 90 minute run. And then the mid-distance girls will, will have more of the strength component. So we might do more of the after a run, for example, we'll do an hour of lifting and the marathoners might do a slightly shorter session. So what about, uh, when you're not running,
0: do you guys hang out socially? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of just
1: moved here. So it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like? Do like, we hang out. <laughs> yeah. What's happening now, guys? <laughs> Can we all go to lunch? <laughs> Can I come over? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there. it's a good vibe. And I think that's, I don't know. I mean, sometimes people would, what might be like go together to lunch afterwards or uh, after um, a hard workout. Um, I think the thing they're also, the thing with training for any kind of races, right? It's very cyclical. So there's a lot, depending on where people are in their buildup toward races, people kind of get on the same schedule. And then once you're in the same schedule, you're with someone all the time. And then a big component of distance training right now is going to altitude so that's kind of when we'll go to altitude maybe for I don't know two to four months out of the year and so you go from seeing people maybe for half of your day to seeing that to like literally living in the same house as them in kind of a camp type situation um so I think yeah I mean I think in the fall yes, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you might do some kind of um I don't know, like fun event, go to the farmer's market, whatever you do with coworkers, right? But then other times when we're at Altitude together, you're literally living in the same room and sharing a bathroom with somebody.
0: <laughs> um, and where is that? You said training at Altitude. Where does the team go for that?
1: Uh, we go to a, f- a few different places, right? Flagstaff and Park City are big no popular ones in the U.S. I love Flagstaff. And my, my mom lives in Park City, so they're, they're both awesome oh. options and they're gorgeous, and then so the one I have never been to is, but I'm looking forward, is San Maritz in Switzerland. So that just, that will be in the summertime. And that just sounds, I don't know, like a fabulous vacation. <laughs> so uh, yeah. this should be fun.
0: I'm like, how <laughs> do we go record live podcasts there? How do I work myself into this trip that sounds, but minus the the actual training, I don't think I could hang for even two seconds, but otherwise I'm in. <laughs> fun um so I was reading a flow track story the other day and in it you said that you were looking forward to the base phase grind now that you've joined Bowerman what does that look like
1: (laughs) um I mean it's kind of the not glamorous part of it right there's no races you're not really getting into your kit or getting in front of cameras or fans or um but it's just I think with any runner any athlete it's like you love that t- that time when you can really see progress right and you're putting in the work and it's really hard and um, I, mean, I don't know if, I mean I think in a way runners are kind of masochistic in this way it's like I like I like it when I'm when I feel sore, you know, because because then I know that I'm working. So it's definitely – it's the opposite of the taper, right? It's when, like, you're doing a lot of – you're upping your mileage. The workouts are long and hard, um, and that's where the kind of the grind comes in. You're just kind of grinding. It's not like you're doing any workouts that are, like, incredibly fast and, like, kind of brag-worthy. It's just a lot of miles, right? Um, but you learn to love that because you know that that is – That's the stuff that makes you better in the long run. Um, And I I think, especially as I mature as a runner, um, I, I don't know, more and more, yeah, learn to love that stuff because, like, that's where the potential lies. All
0: right. So you're sponsored by Nike now, which is super exciting. Can you talk a little bit about how it works? I think we don't often see runners change sponsors because, you know, they sign with them out of college and they're with them for so long. You were running with Wazelle for four years. You had a four-year contract. Then
1: what? Yeah, no, it definitely was a learning curve for me. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing is a learning curve, right? This isn't something that necessarily is a profession that is something that, I don't know, you grow up knowing the details of. So basically the way that it works for athletes is we have – we sign different sponsor contracts, right? And they have different lengths. Um At one point in time, so just like any contractor, like there's or I don't know, there's an end date to to the contract, and so when the contract is coming up to the end, basically the way that we make our money is we have, we have to like have ideally you have different sponsors or 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 you 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 have some some kind of system where you're um, you have like an ecosystem of sponsors and. But usually with runners, the main sponsor is going to be a running shoe or apparel company. And so that's going to be like kind of your main paycheck. And so when your contract's coming up, what you want to do is you want to – you basically need to have another kind of like – you need to go out and find another main contract as your base contract, right? And so we – ideally you're in a situation where you are, I don't know, kind of a desirable – person to sponsor um, so it ha- it was a good timing for me because coming off of the Olympic year um, that was kind of my big breakthrough year <laughs> yeah um, but That's there was good also- timing <laughs> yeah exactly um, so my contract was up end of December and so then what um, there are different kind of I guess agents then not I guess there are agents that you could then that you then go and start to work with an agent um, you don't necessarily have to but it is helpful um i don't know just like in any business someone who is much more experienced in this and has the context of the different companies and then so you have your agent and then you basically start i don't know it's kind of this like matching process you go you um see what companies are interested because not all it's not like you have it's not like you have the pick of the litter right like it's not like all companies automatically want you I mean basically this is their sports marketing budget so it depends is a certain is a certain company like really going after only road athletes or are they only or they really want sprinters or is there an opening for a middle distance athlete so you have to kind of see which companies even have an interest um, and then once you have so you have like which companies have an interest, and then once you have um, have that, then you kind of, I don't know. Ideally, if you have more than one company, you can see if you can kind of play them off and and start to learn about them. For me, it was really important. Um, I don't know, like to learn the history of a company and make sure that I knew the. I knew the people that I like had some kind of connection with the, with the mission um, and the ethos of a company. Because in the end, you are like wearing you're you're, you're you're a billboard for them, right? So you ideally want to I don't know, kind of feel inspired by their message, right? And feel good about being um, a spokesperson. Um, and so then, kind of go through that process and. Yeah. And then, and it was, it was definitely, was fun and it was an incredible experience to kind of learn about um, all, I don't know, all of like the history and tradition with Nike and also the incredible teams that they support here on campus. And, and yeah, so, and basically by, at the end of the process, I ended up signing with Nike in what, January of 2017. So just, so it's been a little under a year now.
0: Yeah, well, that's super
1: exciting, and
0: um, I'm curious, and you don't have to, if you want to skip this one, you can, it's up to you, you you were sponsored by Wazelle for your first four years, which I think that's how a lot of people first found you, which is exciting. I remember at the trials, everyone had their Fast Kate shirts, which is really cool, and now you're with Nike, which is famously not Wazelle's favorite brand. Does any of that factor into your decision, or was that was it like hard to leave Wazelle for a brand that... They maybe don't love so much because, you know, Nike's the behemoth in the industry. So as an athlete, I imagine that's hard to turn down. But I'm
1: curious if there was any, like, concern on that end. I mean, I think the hardest thing with any, I don't know, probably the hardest thing um, in any job, right, is that, like, when it makes sense to, to, I mean, like, when you have to leave a job or something ends, like, how do you continue those relationships? And that's always, I mean... I don't know. You end up becoming very close with people that you've worked with over the last four years. Right. So that, yeah. So that is, it's always hard making those transitions, but also I've developed such good relationships over the past four years that those, those like with basically withstand whether or not who, who I'm actually working with day to day. Right. So I still, I've maintained those relationships which I'm really thankful for. And yeah, I mean, it the way – it's its an interesting – I don't know. Track and field is an interesting sport. And I think being – the more I see it and the more I kind of grow up in the process and see different models, you see, like, how incredible and necessary it is to support developmental athletes um, because, I mean, I don't know. At one point, like, if you don't get that support, when – especially for distance athletes, especially for distance women, if you don't – I mean, I don't know, as a woman coming out of college, like uh, you watch, look at the aged ages of the, of the women who are actually achieving at the highest level. It's, it's older. It's like they're at late twenties in the marathon. It's thirties. Right. But you need some kind of support system to help people in that transition. And so I think that there, there's a place for people, there's a place for support of developmental athletes. And it was so incredible for me. And USATF also has programs like this. When I was with, even with NJNY, a new, new Jersey, New York track club, they um, had some kind of stipend type support for developmental athletes. And that helps a lot. Cause I mean, I don't know at one point, you if you're you're training at a high level already but you don't have the results yet to kind of get those to get those other sponsorships um and then there's also a place i mean nike has an it's an incredible support of they they support this sport um like i don't know to an incredible amount as well right and so they are supporting and they also have the funds and the resources to to support athletes at a higher level, right? So, um, And that's also necessary and that helps people then kind of go on and have incredible resources and go to try to win medals. So, I don't know, it's one of those things that I see, I feel like people always, I I feel like people, it's like you want to have a black and white situation and there's a lot of gray. And I think that, um, yeah, and in a way I'm like, I'm grateful to have had to have experienced a full spectrum of what it means to be an athlete trying to compete and get the best, the best of yourself and having different forms of support in that. All
0: right, so let's talk about competing. So your specialty, I know you compete in the 1500 and the 800. I'm especially interested in the 800 because... When I see on my training plan, 800s, that is the (laughs) only thing that freaks me out. I will do 400s. I will do mile repeats. I will do a 20-mile tempo run. But there's something about the 800. There's something about two loops of the track that mentally, I just, I don't know what it is. I just can't, I can't stomach 800s, Kate. I need your help. (laughs) Tell me first, tell me what it is about the 800 that gets you jazzed because it's working for you.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's, I don't know, it's a great distance, right? It's kind of symmetrical. You have one lap, you won't have one lap to go, um, it hits all the different points, you're, it's this sprint, almost a sprint, um, I'd like, like to call it like a, what, a float or a glide, like you're going very fast, but not completely all out, right? and then it just kind of how long you can maintain that yeah i don't know and, and you get the kind of burning lactic at the end the first lap is more aerobic i think it's one of the ones that has the most even or you're using whatever both systems you're aerobic anaerobic pretty equally maybe i don't know that, that's me totally bsing um <laughs> it's fine it's fine
0: we don't this doesn't go through fact checkers so it will just believe whatever you say
1: <laughs> right. But yeah, I know it's it's definitely hard, although it's funny because I think the more I work at longer distances, I definitely think that the, the one of the differences, 800, you need to be brave in the beginning. Right. You need to go out quick and you can't be nervous about that because you basically if you're not. Assertive, you lose, you lose those seconds. You can't make them back. With other distances, it's like there's a middle section, middle section where you need to kind of have that brave moment and decide to not give in to the pain, right? And I think I've done a lot of work trying. I don't know. I just think that's an interesting, an interesting challenge to me. Is how do you make yourself? decide to stick with it.
0: Well, I commend you for it. What I like to do with the 800 is I like to go out as fast as I possibly can and then like stop before Slowly. the second <laughs> lap because it's too hard. <laughs> but I would love, what is your advice to all of us listening who want to be really good and who want to who want to be brave with our 800s? What is, do you have any like tactical advice we can use?
1: Well, I think actually the biggest thing is that I mean, one of the things that I like to understand is that it's not necessarily – you see people having these incredible kicks. It's not – if you actually look at the split times, they're not actually running any faster in that last 200. In fact, they're actually running a little bit slower. But everyone else is just slowing down much more, right? So you – if you have your goal time, if you're able to – like not, I don't know, to kind of hold back the slightest amount. Just, I mean, middle school stuff, right? But just to be able to not have that first – Half lap, be out of control. Ideally, you want pretty close to even splits. And then you're going to look like Superman at the end because everyone else who's gone out really fast is coming back. So even if you're not, you're not, I'm at the end of my races, I'm actually not going faster that last 200, but it looks like I am because everyone else is slowing down. And you end up, and you end up passing them. And it's yeah, great feeling. It
0: looks like you're getting slingshot forward. And so <laughs> yeah. with that, I want to talk about you won the olympic trials 800 meter finals last year what was that like
1: um that was an insane day uh but yeah i mean i don't know it was it was very cool for me it was it was one of those things that i had had about two years of injury i actually hadn't i hadn't pr'd in 803 years and i pr well I basically I ran I think I PR'd that day yeah I PR'd that day on like so like no three years no PR and I PR'd the day of the final of the Olympic trials which was just like this incredible things just kind of I don't know just incredible coming together um yeah that was it's so funny just like uh someone was talking about Shelane after the new york city marathon and it's like when someone has reached this achieved this goal that they've like kind of dreamed about for so long but you didn't even think was actually possible there's this period after where you just like they it's like you're so calm and happy and I, I don't know it just it's a very very cool feeling that said the actual race i don't know it, it, it was like a um I was gonna say it was like a shit show of a race. I don't know. What oh yeah, you can level. swear on this show. Yeah, <laughs> okay. have at it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was crazy. Basically, like a lot of there was this huge collision, um, and so that that was, yeah, that was. I mean, for me, lucky in that I avoided it, but also, I mean, I don't know, sad because in a and it's funny because you think like, oh, your competitors, they fell, like that's good, but. um, I don't know, in a way, because it is, like, such a kind of a small sport and a really close-knit community, you end up either being friends with your competitors or if not friends, then at least, like, they're definitely people that you've looked up to for a long time. And just, and you never want to see that happen. So that was definitely, like, a um, – I don't know. That was just, like, kind of a hard, weird thing to happen as well um, on that day. But, yeah, I, I mean, for me personally, I, I had never – Made a U.S. team before, so the whole deal, like getting the flag, doing the the lap, it was I don't, it was it was otherworldly. I mean, I was like, I was in shock at first. I don't think I actually cried or made any motion, but then I was crying. Um, so yeah,
0: very fun. So when in that race did you know that you were gonna win it?
1: Um, probably with about a hundred or like well, I don't know. You never quite know if someone's coming for you, but like with a hundred to go, that was the weird part. That's the, that, yeah, that was, uh, that's not normal for 800s. And I think you, normally you have like this crazy gut-wrenching sprint to the final, um, to the, to the line and, um, to not have that was, was weird. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, it's probably like in any race, like, as you start to get toward the end, you can't turn around. Oh, well, I don't know. People do turn around, but I don't know. I don't never want to turn around. Cause you don't want to like ever lose that forward momentum. Right. Yeah. And so you, you kind of, you just kind of keep moving forward, try to not like freak out. It's that someone's going to come and get you. Um, and there's this big, big screen basically. So that at Hayward field, there's a big screen like, um, Behind the finish line, so you can kind of see. If you look up at the screen, you can kind of see what's going on behind you. That's so kind, was of kind of crazy.
0: I feel like that's like running into a rearview mirror.
1: Yeah, no, it's weird. It's really weird. But athletes you learn to use it because it's actually helpful. Like especially longer races as well. Like for the five Ks and stuff, you can see like I don't know how far some how far someone else is back there. It, yeah, it's cool, but you probably can go overboard with it because <laughs> I don't know. You don't want to be like. Uh, yeah it's trippy right It's like you're yeah. watching yourself run the race I don't know
0: but anyway um, And it's funny the talking about looking back Because that is one thing I remember about Shalane The whole time in the last what three miles That she pulled ahead of the marathon She never once turned around That's crazy mm-hmm. I would turn around every two seconds But that's just my paranoid nature So yet another reason no. I am not a professional athlete <laughs>
1: <laughs> No yeah it's crazy It was so cool watching her And just the, uh, watching that strength um and it's it's fun in a marathon because in a marathon it's like you get i don't know 10 minutes 12 minutes of kind of celebration right like you kind of know well it's like this this is like really scared celebration because you know that she's gonna do it (laughs) but then it's like this slight fear that something might happen Uh, well anyway that's like kind of what it feels like to actually run it also like you're pretty sure it's all set but it's still like oh my gosh someone might be coming and so you have this like fear of god in you (laughs) so you just need to keep going um so, oh, I mean, I don't know, I'm just assuming, but yeah, that's... <laughs> we'll um, check with Shalane because you're going to see
0: her, like, tomorrow, so... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, after you won the trials, when did it sink in that you were going to be representing your country at the Olympics?
1: Um, It's funny, actually, not for a few weeks. I, I had a run a few weeks later when, I I don't know, I just kind of started laughing or, like, giggling out loud. Um, it's, it just, it's, yeah, I would say probably, like, any big change it comes in waves so a few weeks later I definitely I I specifically remember like a slow run when I realized that I was gonna be or kind of not realized but I don't know it sunk in Um, and I just like started doing little giddy hops down the street and then I don't know part of it also like even after the fact it hasn't it, it took even some months after the fact it was like st- still sinking in because the cool thing is you get to call yourself an olympian right and that's like never goes away and i think when i finally realized that like i think probably sometime later that even after rio someone was like yeah you could because everyone gets the, the olympic ring tattoos right and i didn't know if i or not i don't know if, i don't know if you know that but that's like a thing that athletes who go to the olympics they get the olympic rings tattooed themselves and i wasn't sure if i wanted to and one of my friends was like well for the rest of your life you could always just decide to like it's not which was and I was like oh yeah you're right like that's never gonna go away which is really cool so did you no I haven't okay (laughs) well I would get it tattooed on my face just saying
0: (laughs) I would be that proud and that obsessed that I would put those rings right on my face so just something to think about if you're considering where to get the tattoo
1: I I like that. I like that. (laughs) Just don't be shy. Behind my ear, or something like kind of small. But I mean, we'll just go, just go out. Or actually, I was thinking. Actually, it was like for some reason I thought the idea of a brand was cool, but then I realized that that would also be like probably really dangerous. (laughs) Um, So, and that's my idea stopped there.
0: All right. Well, you have time to find the perfect tattoo placement. (laughs) Yes. So when you were at, when you were in Rio representing Team USA, I'm sure this is a loaded question, but what was that like? (laughs)
1: yeah i mean i don't know i would say just the whole summer was just kind of surreal again and i think especially being in my first because we the way it works with track is that you have world championships not on the olympic years but it's just so lots of people even if they haven't done the olympics before they've been on world championship teams so they've done they've worn the uniform different stuff and it was like my first experience doing all of that so it just it was just like a lot of a lot of new experiences all at once um And I think I actually didn't, I mean, there's two answers to this question, right? As far as Rio goes, it was incredible. Um, And just, I don't know, the idea of the Olympics where there's 200 plus countries all living in the same Olympic village, all eating in the same cafeteria. I mean, when in your life, like when is that ever a thing, right? Like you have, it's just incredible. It's like the whole world. It's like a little microcosm of the whole world in this little village of 30 apartments right which it, it was just that was crazy but then as, as far as representing team usa i definitely did not anticipate how powerful that was like wearing the usa jersey or usa um on your jersey it was i don't know it was it was just really special and yeah and i definitely and i got very patriotic in a way that i like didn't i don't know i didn't anticipate. Uh, was your family with you? Uh, they were, and they had a blast. So they definitely, like, had the more Rio time. Because, like, <laughs> the athletes, we're all, we're all in the village. So in the village, basically, I also didn't know what this was before I went to the Olympics. But the village is not, like, I don't know. I pictured, like, a cute little... Village, whatever that like, like <laughs> cute little cabled houses, with, like, <laughs> little like ski I'm lodges like, and yeah, <laughs> <Totally>. But it's, <laughs> it's not. It's like modern high rise apartment buildings. <laughs> um. So yeah. So in the so I was just kind of in that, and because Rio is so big, that was about two hours from the kind of touristy um, Ipanema beach and things, and so that. So I was – I actually didn't see much of the city before my race. Um, they were all, like, on the beach and just having a blast. And then after the races, you get a little bit of time to explore. But, yeah, it, it was fun.
0: And did you do the opening or closing ceremonies?
1: Yeah, I did the closing. I know. The opening oh, – I'm looking back. It's like, should I have done the opening? But are – you realize the Olympics are so long. It's, like, yeah. three weeks. And it's three weeks, and mine was literally the last four days. So – we didn't want to go to opening and then just like be there for two weeks because like, looking i mean maybe looking back we would have but heading into it there was just so much kind of negative press we weren't yeah. sure what to expect with the village ended up that everything was fine but anyway i did the closing it was really cool and if anything closing was cool because it was like kind of more chill right like they i think with the opening there's a lot more it, it, is just, it has to go by a certain schedule because like everyone's watching on TV in the closing it was it was incredible kind of performances and then there was just basically this big carnival party like a big parade and they just invited the athletes on and we got to wear I don't know they had these like crazy costumes and then people were giving us the costumes to wear and it was it was really fun
0: oh I love that that's awesome so coming off an Olympic year how do you decide where to go from there In terms of your
1: goals. It's funny. I think that's something that I like slowly started. It took me a little while to get there. Or I had a little bit of a delayed Olympic slump. The cool thing, just because I, in a way, like I had so many kind of, I hit so many markers for the first time in the Olympic year. Like I made the team. That was a big one. I made the final. But at one point, you then want to not just be there to make it right you want to be there to be a contender or to and and so I think that that became like like a major goal not just to be like the surprise sneak in to the final but but the one who actually people expect to be there and then maybe this becomes like a threat to be a medalist or be in the top um, of the group and then also I ran the 800 there and and I actually switched last year to focus on the 15 a bit more which is also always scary right because like for the last 10 years i've been an 800 specialist that's all i've done i've definitely been told by everyone that i'm very good at the or that i'm good at the 800 told by coaches which is good you know it's it's helpful but it's also then scary it's like oh wait am i going to something that i'm not as good at like is that a good choice but i think after a while I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to have new challenges. And it's, it's interesting to have new challenges, even, even if it's not, if you're not as assured to have maybe the same level of, of success. And, and so I, I definitely, it was, that was a whole new, whole new bag of tricks is like trying to go over for the 15 and like learning to trust myself and that it, it can take time to do a different distance and to do different types of training. So I don't know, just lots of lessons. And I think probably trying new things was was my way to deal with what to do after the, after the Olympics. Awesome, what has been the biggest challenge in your career? Biggest challenge, I mean, injuries are always a big challenge. And I think that's a lot of runners deal with that. I What I hate the most about injuries is that that period where you don't know how long it's going to be, right? Like you something kind of hurts, and you go to a doctor, and you're like, oh, two weeks off. And then two weeks turns into four, turns into two months, and you're like, wait, am I ever running again? So I think on the one hand, it's the challenge of, I don't know, just like dealing with the depression of injury and, and kind of getting through that. And then also of coming back and learning to trust yourself again and learning that even if you've been away from it for a while, that you still are the same person, that you still have that, that whatever is inside you, like your capabilities, your passion, your drive, that hasn't gone away. Um, that was, th- that was a big one. And I was injured. I had like two injuries over the course of about two years. So basically like I felt like I was away from my kind of top form self for like, yeah. Yeah. For over two years, that's been a big one. And then I think actually last year, I would say the next one was really—I mean, again, after after Rio, learning, trying a new a new distance, figuring out how to like trust myself and push myself, and not just to kind of get scared and and go hide in a hole, even though I wanted to. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> um, so I feel like I look at your career and I see all of these incredible successes, and not not even limited to the trials and competing at the Olympics. I feel like you've had so many amazing banner moments. Are there any moments that you look at that you consider failures in your career? I mean,
1: I definitely have like I've had a few really bad races. I don't know if I would consider those. You always think of it as like failures, failures, I like to think of failures as just like, I mean, what, this is the whole thing, fail forward, right? Failures are just a part of the story along the way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've definitely had races that are like big blow up races. And that seems it happened when I first, it always seems to happen as I'm like kind of trying to get into a new tr- system. When I was f- like literally just in, the, in 2012, like first trying, starting to get out of um, or to train professionally, I ran at indoor nationals that year. And I had been, I had been training with gags, my coach for like, I don't know, a month or uh, two months. And I ran an Alkervie and it was like, th- I was the m- farthest last you've ever seen someone in a race in, in a while. It was like the worst thing. And this is, it's, it's at altitude and it was just so embarrassing. Cause it's like your first time as a pro um, or post collegiate and you're trying to prove that you're worthwhile to be there. And you're like, and it's like, yeah, just, complete embarrassment. And um I don't know. And 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 uh, first of all, at altitude, you can you cannot like fake fitness at altitude, right? Like if you're not fit, it definitely shows. So I yeah, I mean that was one um I had one like that in Sacramento. I mean even this summer I ran the 1500 at the World Championships in London and in the semi in the semifinal race, I just I don't know. It was not like something was something was off, and I and I had bad race, and I was pretty far back, last. And I think so. I guess technically those are failures, right? Like I fail. I did not win the race, but I don't know. I at least in the past when those things have happened, they usually spur motivation. They spur me to train harder, and at least for all the all the past races that I, like, I've done poorly in, I will then come back and have like. A really successful kind of follow-up season so i'm i'm hoping that with this last one last summer something similar would happen
0: yeah i always think i i always get to a point where i have to change my thinking that they're not failures they're learning experiences so i'm curious exactly what is the best piece of running related advice you've ever
1: been given whoever told me that like pain is where the growth happens that may have been lauren fleshman i don't, I don't know who that was but the Yeah, but basically the idea – like I think switching for a while with workouts, I wanted it to just – like my whole goal with a workout was to have it feel smooth. Like I wanted – I thought athletes looked really smooth when they worked out and I wanted to look smooth in workouts. And I think I was in Sacramento training with Kim Connolly, and she is like – just can push herself to the edge in workouts. And I think the idea that like you don't have to – yeah, you don't have to – like the goal is not to look pretty in the workout, right? The workout should be at some points, like you can, you can get ugly at it. Um, and, and when it does hurt, that's, that's like, that's when your body is getting better. Um, so you learn in a way to like love that, like not love, but really look forward or, or kind of in a weird, in a, yeah, in a weird way, like want that place in a workout that where it is hurting. Cause you know, that that's, that's, when you're hitting a point where you are going to get better from that workout. Um, and that just helped me up my game. And that like in the year leading into the Olympic trials, I feel like I was able, we like just to to kind of hit a level of intensity in workouts that I hadn't before. And what would your best piece of advice be for the everyday runner? <laughs> so I'd like, pain is good, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. <laughs> running should be fun. Like running is fun. And I think sometimes... So I think there's, there's that side of the workouts where it's like, you, you're going for it and you love the pain. But I think also a lot of every, of every runners in a way, maybe it can be play and then you can have different paces and that sometimes, I mean, again, like sw- whatever your slow pace is, no matter how it can be extremely slow, that. It it doesn't have to always be kind of pushing yourself. And I think that's the one thing that pros actually do pretty well is that you work really hard, but then you do have your recovery runs where it's like completely pedestrian. And that's, I mean, if anything, the Africans are famous for this, right? Is that they are, they're running so slow on their recovery runs. And I think part of that is you want to make sure that you don't lose that enjoyment factor that like it can... That, yeah, you don't have to be always pushing your pace and like watching your watch and making sure that you're running whatever your whatever your 5K or what I don't know 10K pace is that you're running like within a minute of that or whatever the formula tells you to. Sometimes you can just be like literally go for as slow as you want, walk part of it. I don't know. Just like make sure that it's like and that it's a that it's a true recovery. And then when you when you ha- add those true recoveries to your workouts, th- then you can work harder in your actual workouts and then I don't know fitness can increase
0: all right so keep it slow and keep it fun i like Mm -hmm. it all right before we sprint to the finish we haven't talked too much about your your history and how you got into the sport but can you tell everyone kate grace who
1: is your mom Uh, um my mom is her name is kathy smith and she is a workout queen no i don't know she's a she was like icon Yes yeah, been his icon. I mean, I grew up
0: <laughs> knowing who she was, because my mom knew who she was, of course. but I think that's pretty cool. And I'm curious. Well, first, I did a little research, did a little <laughs> googling. Is it correct that your mom once ran the Honolulu Marathon in three hours and 40 minutes?
1: yeah also like i did not appreciate this at the time she ran it in like 1975 or something which i don't which is i don't know i don't know uh very early on in women's distance running so yeah no that it's cool because so basically her career she um i mean yeah does like kind of aerobics videos she was at the start of the whole aerobics kind of craze in the late 80s and 90s um but really like running got her into her career with fitness she her I don't know, she has, um, her parents both died when she was in college, and it was just like a very kind of sad, depressing time, and she ended up, like, she was in Hawaii at school and ended up, started uh, running with her boyfriend at the time, and yeah, ran the marathon, and that, and then she also had this dance background, and kind of, like, Mm -hmm. a lot came together for her to be kind of at the forefront of the aerobic stuff, but it was, it's kind of been really cool to realize that, that we share that running connection, Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and in the article that I read, I think it was in the New York Times, it was um, because, like you said, she ran it in the 70s, that people were like, stop running, your uterus is going <laughs> to fall out. So it's good that that didn't happen, you know, because very real concern with running is our <laughs> uterus is
1: falling out. No, I mean, that's the thing. that That's that's what people used to tell women. I know. I mean, isn't that oh, – this year was – or is it this year, is the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of um, Catherine Switzer-, Switzer running the Boston mm-hmm. Marathon? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess – um, it wasn't too long ago that people were like genuinely concerned about <laughs> women's health. So funny. So do you and your mom, did you run together growing up? Um, uh, we hiked together. She's so funny. She's like an animal hiking. Oh my gosh. If you, <laughs> if we, so yeah, we would go on hikes and she was like her, I'm doing air quotes right now. Hiking is like sprinting up the mountain as you're kind of dying behind her um so we definitely did that kind of stuff and we're just generally an active family she is really into yoga um and strength training as well so if anything like I had some exposure to that type of stuff and I think the biggest thing was just like I don't know it's it's powerful watching I watching her grow up like she exercises as part of her daily life She feels very good doing it. She feels empowered doing it. She like really believes in the health benefits and also kind of just all the mental benefits to it. Um, And both my sister and I definitely um, grew up with a similar mindset. I love that. All right. What's next for Kate Grace? Uh, Well, indoors. um, So we have indoor, I don't know, the indoor season is coming up and there's, um, I actually going back to my first pro failure uh, USA's is back in Albuquerque. And so I'm going to be running USA's, um, and hopefully kind of make a comeback from that (laughs) first horrible (laughs) race, like four years ago or whatever it was. Uh, so I'm, so I'm running there in February. Um, and that you make, there's a world championship indoor team. So if you're the top two at the USAs um, hopefully you would I would try to go and win and then you go you go to the world championships in Birmingham UK so so, so that's my next race and between now and then it's the grind it's training and we're going to go to altitude probably in January awesome and do you dream of going back to the olympics or is that like a you do that once and you just feel all your dreams have been realized oh no of course i mean th- yeah sorry so that that was like a very much a uh, directly what's next but yes Tokyo in 2020 um it would be incredible and long term is the goal awesome well if you need a cheering section let me know thank you all
0: right (laughs) are you ready to sprint to the finish I'm ready all right lap two of an 800 here we go so this is when You know, you're going to really excel and I'm sleeping on the sidelines. So uh, what would your last meal on earth be?
1: Some kind of sushi. Yeah, some kind of sushi. Okay. Favorite movie. No, no. Well, I'm I'm totally changing that. Something like warm and comfortable, right? Like something like, I don't know, last meal on earth. I don't know, like a turkey or something. Right now it's getting to Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving stuff and definitely a pie like a berry pie or a pumpkin pie you can have all that and you can have sushi I mean this is okay. your it's your
0: last meal you can have whatever you want so That's you don't have point, to get right? rid of the sushi yeah <laughs> what is your favorite okay. movie
1: <laughs> favorite movie oh my gosh I love all the Pixar movies maybe up or um what's yeah or, or the, the new one I just saw I don't know if it's my favorite but inside out the emotion oh my gosh
0: don't you feel like that movie is i'm sure kids like it but i feel like that movie is very important for adults to see oh my gosh right like i I learned learned so much yes it's so good i that movie i watched it on a flight too i was a mess so i don't know if it was supposed to be
1: emotional but i was very emotional (laughs) watching that movie so that's a good choice I love I love watching movies on planes and just crying my eyes Oh, out. I know. Well, well I I've watched The Fault in Our
0: Stars. I watched um, Oh that, my god Me, Me Before You. That one, like I don't know what it is about flights. I may as well just watch like Step Mom too and just really <laughs> yeah. go all
1: in. Oh,
0: <sighs> what is your favorite TV show?
1: The I'm thinking I actually don't watch it very much TV. Silicon Valley, I think, is really funny, and I love Stranger Things. I don't know, it's fun. All right, Greatest Fear. Oh, what is my greatest fear? (laughs) Something... I'm like, I can get a little bit hypochondriac. I definitely have to stay away from WebMD. Web so that, that's my, my, my big thing right now. So I, mean, I need to make sure that I'm like not Googling any weird, <laughs> weird symptoms. No, so not, probably like some weird disease. <laughs> okay.
0: Nothing good ever comes from that. <laughs> no. Where was your first real kiss? Oh
1: my gosh. I love it. Um, <laughs> on the couch, my boyfriend's, uh, like my like high school boyfriend's family um, family house on on their couch
0: nice i hope they're listening they'd be so proud <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> what is your favorite race you've ever
1: done Ooh, so many fun ones um running when i back in 2013 i ran um in paris and i ran um it was like incredible beautiful first time first time running in europe and i ran sub two the 800 for the first time and it was just this incredible like amazing experience and Usain Bolt was there and the crowds were amazing. So yeah, that's cool.
0: All right. What about, where's your favorite place you've ever run? Ooh.
1: Um, I, Eugene, Eugene's the best. I love, I mean, I don't know. I love going to Hayward field. There's just in Oregon. There's just like, there's so much history there. And I mean, I don't know the trials. There's like no other. Yeah. Props to Eugene. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a go-to mantra for races or tough workouts? I'm like five million mantras, but, um, yes, the recently for races, it's just been, it's like gotten down to just like believe, but I like a hard, like what hard things are hard or we can do hard things is one also that I like a lot. Just kind of the reminder that even if something is hard, it doesn't mean that you have to stop doing it. But then I believe, and then when I get close to the real race, it's, I believe.
0: What is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning?
1: press the snooze alarm for 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) what is the last thing you do before you close your eyes at night uh usually i'll stand on the little slant board next to my bed that's a good habit what is your favorite running workout favorite running workout something on the track um 300s are awesome because you feel fast but they're not hard enough that they hurt that much (laughs) (laughs) saturday long run or sunday long run i've changed saturday recently and i'm actually a big fan so, yeah, I'm going Saturday.
0: <laughs> when people come to you for help, what do they usually want? Oh,
1: interesting. Likey <laughs> In clothes? No. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All
0: okay. right. What is the first thing you would do if you won the lottery?
1: Get a good accountant
0: <laughs> or yeah. That is a very Count- responsible answer. Not very
1: fun, <laughs> but very responsible. I <laughs> just on my mind
0: lately. What is your favorite smell?
1: My, so my, there's this fancy candle that I actually just, I actually just bought this candle. It's a red, it's called red currant and I love the smell, but it was like way too much money for a candle. So I like, can't actually burn it that much because I don't want to use it up. But the, like this red currant candle that I just bought, I really like.
0: All right, cool. What is your favorite season? Fall. Good choice.
1: All right. Would you rather be invisible, be able to fly
0: or be able to read minds? Oh, I mean, my gosh. you basically I, I, can fly.
1: I feel like you're very fast. I would say invisible. Read Minds would be cool, but I don't, I don't know if I'd actually want to, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to. Uh, pedicures, yay or nay? Yay. Awesome. Definitely yay. Plus, and I. it is gross, but I like the callus shaving. You know, when some yeah. certain places will <laughs> shave your calluses. <cows. laughs> uh, who was your childhood celebrity crush? <gasps> Colin Farrell. And johnny depp when he was in the pirates of the caribbean nice who's your favorite runner well now they're like my friends right (laughs) It's kind of hard to say um i don't like pick a favorite right i'm I'm not gonna give a favorite i think just like in general the more i learn about runners and their backstories the more i like love watching their careers um so i don't know even this past year like or getting to know amy hastings more um ai and and courtney and watching them both medal at world championships was incredible Awesome. All right, you're hosting a dinner party. You get to invite
0: any five guests. Who would you have at your dinner party?
1: They have to be they're alive, right? Yeah. Oh, whatever you want. Uh, you can
0: have dead ghosts,
1: animals, whatever. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm gonna go with alive because I feel like that's just too much. It's just too much. <laughs> okay. Um. So I interested in. I'm reading right now a book about Paul Farmer, who's like he does like kind of public health, um, in Haiti, um. Someone, like, some religious figure, like, I I don't know, the Pope would be really interesting. I've, like, always wanted to meet Michelle Obama, so she would probably be in there. Someone in tech? I don't know, like what the amazon guy jeff bezos, jeff bezos. Uh, this also was like it would be a crazy dinner party and then i want <laughs> someone that was like kind of random and low-key because i don't even know that's like that and itself is way too much so maybe like my sister or something Aww. to like make it easy on like easy conversation
0: <laughs> i appreciate how well thought out the diversity in your dinner party is i like how you were like all right and someone in tech i like i like that a lot it's good you're gonna have a lot to cover but i like it uh, before i let you go give everyone listening a reason to run today
1: What's the reason to run? Because it's like, it's the time that you feel most alive. I don't know. I love it. It's the sky is blue, or if it's rainy, it's just, I don't know. A time to get outside and be with yourself and, um,. And bop along to your Taylor Swift or Beyonce.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for doing this today. And congratulations again. I feel like the past two years have been just so exciting for you. And it's been a pleasure to watch. And can't wait to see what the next
1: two, four, six, and eight bring. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun chatting.
0: So that, my good friends, is Olympian Kate Grace. I am so excited to see where her career goes now that she's training with Jerry Schumacher and the fast, fierce, fabulous women of the Bowerman Track Club. Kate, thanks for being on the show, and you, thanks for listening. For more from the Alley on the Run show, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alley on the Run One and on the Alley on the Run Facebook page. Then hit up my website, Alley on the Run for all of this episode's show notes, including links to everything Kate and I mentioned throughout the episode. It has been an amazing first year for the Alley on the Run show, and I cannot wait to share everything I have in store for 2018. So, stick around, and if you'd be so kind, head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the Alley on the Run show. There are so many great reviews on there that make me so very happy, so, join the fun, and I will love you for it. That's all for now. I hope you're enjoying the magic of the holiday season, whatever it is you choose to celebrate, and cheers to putting a big bow on 2017 and moving on to bigger, better, happier, healthier times in 2018. With love, gratitude, and a big glass of champagne, thank you for joining me on the run.